Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today I'm speaking with Paz Schwartz. Um, and to be honest, I've known Paz for probably a decade now or even more than that. Uh, I've never actually looked into your bio, Paz. So I see that, uh, well, obviously I knew that you grew from the IT and into the cybersecurity world. You have probably more than 20 years experience as a professional in the field, out of which you've spent at least a decade or even more than a decade as a C-level executive in a few very impressive companies. One of which I was actually uh, acquired a few years back. Uh, if you wanted to step in, introduce yourself, that would be excellent. Yes. Okay. So thank you for having me in this uh, amazing podcast that you are doing. Uh, to be honest, we know each other for several years, as we said. But um, yes, I'm in the industry for the last 22 years. Before, before this, I was working for uh, the Israeli government. Uh, and I start my, my role in the IT, IT uh, let's say, profession. Uh, started with MCSC and then I was working for Microsoft and then for, for Playtech. And later on, I jumped into more uh, executive roles in the, in the travel industry. So yes, you, you're correct. Okay, thank you uh, for that so much. And uh, so, you know, just to uh, weave a thread here, you've started off as an IT executive, moved up to a C-level executive, still in IT, then transitioned into cybersecurity held a very uh, high-level role in a few companies. And right now, you are actually a co-founder and the CEO of a cybersecurity company. Uh, and as such, you provide various uh, security, cybersecurity and information security services, uh, as well as a virtual CISO service. So uh, we'll probably pick your brains on that and, you know, about the transition from being, uh, you know, uh, a high-level employee in the industry to uh, actually a founder of a company that provides such services. And with that, I always like to start off with a couple of icebreaker questions here if, uh, to get our okay. listeners, uh, to get a chance for our listeners to get to know you better. Uh, if you're willing to share your marital status and your favorite drink. Okay, it's, it's, it's nice that it's coming in this, in this combination, your marriage status and your drink. Uh, okay, so... Uh, I'm 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 married in the second time to an amazing woman named Irena. We have four kids together, and the favorite drink probably going to be a whiskey, um, a single malt whiskey. Uh, I'm sure that you uh, appreciate the, the the flavor of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so so yes, yeah. If you will ask me which one, I will probably will say I will go to the Japanese spectrum like uh, hibiki or something like this. Nice. Yeah, and uh, definitely single malt is uh, on the top of the list uh, in Correct. terms of the uh, of, of the answers that I'm getting, and it's my favorite drink as well. 
I'm more uh, lined up with uh, the Scottish brands, uh, but to be honest, I haven't tasted too many of the Japanese ones, so I might be in for a surprise. Uh, but with that, uh, we can get started. And again, the focus of this podcast would be to uncover like you and your journey uh, and to get some experience sharing from you to educate, to better educate our listeners. Uh, and with that, uh, let's dive right in. If there's one thing you wish you had known before you begin your, your career, what would that be? Uh, I probably will jump uh, earlier. Uh, my story with uh, the IT world and the cybersecurity, uh, it's, it's something like 120, uh, 180 degrees from what I was doing before, that it was more of a physical security, more of a, a government uh, agency that I used to work for. And, and I jump into the cybersecurity or the IT in the beginning because I heard people talking about computers and this is what brought me in to, to start working on this. Uh, so probably I will do it, I, I will done it earlier if I was exposed to this in the first place. But in my case, I got exposed to this only in the age of 27, 25, 27, something like this. Uh, so yes, if this is what I'm regret for, this is that I didn't dive in first. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. And looking back at your career, what, can you identify like a single biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Yes. Um, I used to work for a company that was purchased by Microsoft. The name of the company was Giteco. And one of the things that uh, that I've been asked to do as as the IT the IT manager or the system administrator over there is to to do some kind of a migration for Exchange Server into the Microsoft uh, environment. And after this, in order to make sure that people will not use the old Giteco server, I was needed to remove the <clears throat> the permission from the old server that people will not be able to connect. And you know, uh, in in a minute that you didn't think about what you're doing, and I remove administrator. And when you remove administrator from Exchange 2003 or 2000, that's all. And end of story. It's dead. So you cannot do anything. For my good sake, it was that after we migrate everybody into Microsoft, so there was no damage that was was uh, happened. But this this teach me a lesson and this is to, to think before you click on it on, on everything and it's very it's very temptation there is a lot of temptation temptation to, to press on things without fully read it now if i will take it to the cyber world this is exactly what social engineering people or or hacker want you to do you want they want you to click without really understand what's standing behind it and this is a, as a, a lesson that i that i uh, that i learned and i'm using this on my presentation that i'm doing mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, and I can definitely see a lot of parallels there between this and the cybersecurity world, especially, you know, if you're talking about social engineering attacks and phishing attacks and all that. Um, yeah. Is there anything you would have, and you might have answered that, but is there anything you would have done differently looking back at, on your career? With the exception of, you I, know, just uh, diving in earlier. Uh, as as I said, I was I started as as uh, as an IT role, uh, and I and I learned from this IT and over and and after this I jumped into the cybersecurity. And by the way, without trying to uh, to blow somebody horn in here, uh, 
a lot of this is related to GRC because one of the first projects that I done, it was a PCI project with Iftach and I learned a lot. And this actually opened my eyes into the security world. Now we're talking about years ago, but it, it brought me into something that it was less familiar for me in the beginning, because when we coming from IT, we don't really learn about procedures and policy and the difference between a lawyer and the regulation and these kind of things. And Iftach opened my eyes. My eyes. Um, so I know that there is a lot of potential and a lot of advantage to come from the IT world because you understand the technique better. Uh, but uh, but definitely, yes, it's very, very interesting. And I probably will do it uh, earlier on this and okay. focus more on the cyber than in, in the IT. Thank you. And, you know, cover, covering your uh, perceived biggest failure, what would you say your biggest accomplishment was? Uh, this is another thing. Uh, I think one of the biggest accomplishments that I've done uh, in a company was to, to take this company and to go. And you, I, I'm sure that you're already, already familiar with this, but I'm going to give a little bit about the highlights to our, our listener, is to be able to finish a PCI DSS level one um uh, regulation in a company that failed five years in a row <laughs> uh, and uh, as i said iftah was very very uh into it and he opened my eyes and we done it together and this is one of our one of my big su- successes to take a uh, 1000 1500 employees global company around the world that never heard about security and to bring her into, I think, one of the highest level of the industry when it's come to regulation. And uh, now we need to keep in mind that we are not talking about PCI proxy and we are not talking about token, token, tokenization and this kind. We're talking about a safe environment, micro segmentation. It's like a bank. And to build it uh, and to be able to get the, the, the certification later on, it's gave me a great pleasure. Okay, understood. Thank you. And uh, again, looking back at your career, the transition and the growth from IT, cybersecurity, and now found founder and the provider of cybersecurity services, you've gone through a lot of, you know, phases, changes, and personal growth. What did you use, like, you know, with the exception of, uh, obviously, you, you've had some some people to work with, but what were the best resources that have helped you learn and, you know, helped you grow yourself? First, I'm, I'm a very big um, uh, supporter of a, of a great team. I think that a good team will be able to achieve everything. There is one thing that we need to remember that a good team needs good leadership. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about any IT director or IT manager or anybody in the, um, the secure, um, uh, SLT secure uh, level uh, uh, people. Uh, everything that i done uh, in my career was, uh, I didn't done it by myself. I've done it with my team. So everything, every project that we, we discussed, everything that was like a, a, a boulder for us or some kind of a, a showstopper. We sit down together and we think together how to, to solve this. And when you're doing this around the table, there is a lot of people, other people that open your eyes and give you a different different point of view. Um, so yes, I, I, I work with my team and we've done it together. It's not something, it's not this world of cybersecurity and, and uh, 
corporate IT or even production IT. It's not a, it's not a wolf, a lonely wolf episode. It's, it's something that everybody needs to work together. Okay, so definitely people and your team. Are there any like uh, specific individuals that you wanted to name drop here? As I said, uh, first, uh, not is not part of my team, but Iftah really opened my eyes and I, I owe him a lot about it. Uh, there is other team members that I used to work over the years. There is Tali, that she is today my partner in, in Persist Security. There is Yoram that I used to work with him for a long time ago. Uh, actually, several companies in the past. Uh, there is a lot of people, and I think that uh, a good team is something that is very difficult to... By the way, there is other two, sorry, uh, Mike O'Brien from the States and Mircha from Romania. And this is this is what's making so so fun to work because eventually it's one big happy family. Even that they are on the other side of the earth, but you feel that they are part of you. And if everybody is believing on the same the same target, you you will be able to achieve it. So, I think building. If you will ask me what a, a, a let's say a, a new position of, of of CISO or cybersecurity expert or an IT guy will need to build around himself, it will be the best team that he can achieve. Yeah, and, I I agree. Please go ahead. No, no, that's all. Oh. <laughs> Um, looking at our profession, cybersecurity, compliance, is there one common myth about this that you wanted to debunk? Uh, yes, there is a lot, actually, if I think about it. And one of this is that uh, it will never happen to me. Uh, like uh, people saying to us, and we see it with, with our clients, uh, but I'm not interesting and I don't have a PI information and, and I don't, uh, why there is a chance that somebody will attack uh, this company there. We off the radar. It's not interesting. And, you know, for people that coming from Israel, there is a lot of, a lot of noise and a lot of hassle around the Iranian cyber capability and how they can attack Israel. So, and, and this is on the news on a daily basis. So, so people say, but I'm not interesting the Iranian. What they are failed to understand that today uh, the organized, let's leave the Iranian on the side. The organized crime is in the darkness. People doing this for money and money is the best way to get people move. So it's not really important if you are, if you think about yourself as a target, it will happen. If you will take it across the time, uh, the time uh, uh, that the company exists, it will happen at least once or two. Depend if you will be able to know to notice notice this, and we can see it all 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 around. You you have a company and you said I have an antivirus and I have a firewall and I have this and this and this and eventually you are installing some kind of a of a XDR or EDR and you see that there is try and horrors installed on the machine and you say you see you already a cyber victim. If there was a damage or there wasn't a damage, it's not making a difference. But somebody is sitting in your systems. And this is something that people fail to understand. The fact that they are not notice them, they are not getting any ransomware request, or they are not creating any damage. It's not meaning that they are not there. Mm -hmm. They are the, the attackers. They are there, and then they just waiting for the right time. And this is something that that CEOs and and executives in company needs to remember this. Yeah, and and I think just to uh, add more color to this, I think uh, 
supply chain security is extremely important and i think even the us not even i think the us government had, uh you know understood that a few years ago and, and as you probably know they came out they published the cmmc framework uh, probably almost two a year and a half two years ago already and it had like one one very big objective in mind, which is to secure the US DOD supply chain. Because as you said, even if you think you're not on the radar, if you, if you, even if you didn't experience any uh, perceivable incident or breach, they might or might not be in your systems, especially if you, if you cater to someone that has a lot of, you know, interested f uh, parties or enemies. So, uh, right. yeah, and this is something that's very important to, to understand because every, almost every company is in someone else's supply chain when you come to think about it. And, uh, yeah, the risks are real. Um, and I know. It's, it's, I think you can even divide the time frame into two, before Staxnet and after Staxnet. And this is what changed the world to understand that, guys, there is somebody that can really hit our SCADA system. This can really hit our our stoplight system or our banking account on a uh, system and, and create this uh, some kind of, a, let's say, a cyber war uh, in that it's it's um, directed by, by, by government, directed by countries. And this is what changed the cyber. Before this, there was groups, there was anonymous, there was other things, but never, nobody saw it as, as a cyber weapon. And now people understand that it's a weapon and you can see it uh, with with NotPetya, and you can see it with uh, with the attack on Ukraine and other things that people using this to create the mess on the other side. So definitely, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, switching gears here, I wanted to learn a bit more about uh, your company and like your uh, mindset and in, in, in how you work with your customers. So if you could provide some information here, like what markets do you operate in? You have like a specific sector and okay. market? Yeah. yeah, so Persist is actually uh, expert in the small SMB uh, business size. Uh, we create something that... Th you know, it's a buzzword. There is a lot of people that are using this, but we're trying to make it much more real. We're using security as a service or we're selling security as a service. But we are doing this uh, in order to make sure that the small or medium company will enjoy not less uh, security than an uh, enterprise organization. So if this uh, as uh, we're selling MDR as a services and it's fully MDR, so we manage it to people or to company that don't have the... Uh, the time, effort, and knowledge to invest into uh, IT and to security. We are selling CISO as a service, as you're probably aware. So we're giving people that are coming with 15 years or 20 years expertise to companies that not really need, we don't know if they need a full-time uh, CISO on, on, on their uh, headcount. So we, we're selling this in hours. We're selling this in part-times. But eventually the client is getting a full MDR and is getting a SOC and is getting a CISO and is getting the, regula the regulation, the phishing campaign, the training and the uh, audit and the penetration test, the same as every other company uh, or let's say uh, enterprise organization. By doing this, I think we can uh, mark that we are taking the, the level of security of SMB and take it much more higher. Um, 
So this is the main idea of uh, persistent security. This is what we are doing. Another thing that we are doing is to try to maximize the current security system that the organization have. Because think about it, we are talking about small or medium organization that not only not always have the, the knowledge. And if you are taking a firewall and um, that is like flat installation and, and start running as a cell strip and start looking into encrypted tunnels and start scanning the files for viruses, you can jump this organization in the level of security several steps uh, up. So this is what we are doing. We're taking an organization, we're looking into it, we see what is the missing part and we try to find or let's say tailor, tailor made uh, the best solution for them uh, in a reason, reasonable price and without actually hurting their security uh, security uh, service level. Okay, thank you. And uh, what are the most common challenges that uh, that you see your customers are faced with? Well, there is a lot. Uh, one of them is knowledge. Uh, I'm not talking about our uh, professional thing. I'm talking about our customers. It's it's knowledge. To be a to be a well secure company, you need to understand the technique behind it. You need to understand networking. You need to understand regulation. You need to understand Office three sixty five or any kind of other. Uh, cloud provider that you work and this information most of the time is missing in the companies they have one it guys or two it guys that running around and dealing with laptops all days and don't really have the time to invest and look into their system and this is exactly where we come in we come in we're sitting we we examine the system we're doing the penetration test that we need and then we sit with the management and say okay this is what you have and the effort in order to fix it will cost you i don't know five days ten days two weeks two months and so on and we are taking them from one place to a different place in the level of security. And then we main, maintain, maintain the same level of security. Uh, so this is one of the things. The other things that I think is, except knowledge, is probably budget. And this is another thing that we, we're trying to maximize system, as we said, uh, and to see what the organization already have. I come across with a lot of organizations that have amazing antiviruses, but nobody even... Uh, think about creating some kind of like a weekly scan on what is the difference between protected and unprotected and a flash scan or not a flash scan. And people need to understand what they are doing with these systems. The fact that you bought an antivirus, it's not meaning that you know how to configure it correctly. Or if you have an iTunes in Office 365 and this system have an amazing capability and you're not using, I don't know, 70% of it. So why are you paying for this? And this is exactly where we coming in and help our client on this. Another thing that we are doing uh, is is trying to, let's say, uh, provide and a view into the offensive cyber world when it's come to social engineering. So we created a plan, it's a two hour plan that we are sitting and it's a front presentation. We are sitting with, with people and we show them how hacking or hackers using social engineering in order to get to their system. So, uh, for example, if I will take my iPhone, you can send a text message to somebody else and open the camera or open the micro so a microphone from remote, even that you are not using tools like Pegasus or, or any other things. You're just using something that called WebRT in, inside the Safari, Safari capability on the phone. You just need to have the right text message in order to people to open it and to understand why they need to improve the location services or the microphone uh, services and so on. 
So we actually showed them in this presentation how we hack their phone, how we are mimicking the website, what is the importance of two-factor authentication, what is, and even, even a view into future or let's say the next wave on, on cybersecurity like deepfake. We already see the beginning of deepfake uh, frauds and, and we want them to understand that they may be talking with their boss, but it's not really their boss. And this is what we, we're giving them. And the aspect that they are getting exposed to this is actually bring the level of security of the organization uh, several, several steps higher. Okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, as an external vendor yourself, you probably need to work with other vendors from time to time. What do you, what do you feel about, uh, like, what are your advices on how to play well together with someone that could be potentially a competitor? Have your circle of trust. I know that I have. Uh, I'm working with, with people. First, I'm a, I'm a person of people, so I'm working with people in years, and you probably know it better than me. Um, I have my own circle of people that I'm working with, uh, vendors, managers, or venture, let's say vendors, uh, executives. And this is the circle that I'm working with. And we are, we know where is the limit. We know where is the limit and, and the limit of ourselves even. For example, if somebody will come to, to persist and it will ask, and I know that I'm talking a lot about GRC, but this is a good example because people know you. But if, if people will come to me and say, listen, Paz, can I, um, uh, use you for a PCI auditing. So my answer probably will be, uh, no, I can escort you to get to the right level, but I cannot give you the, I'm not a QSA and I cannot give you the certification. And for this, you will need to work with GRC. So this is something that we are doing. And, and we had this, this experience, we done it just a year ago, or not a year, I mean, less than a year uh, with one of my customers. Um, uh, it's called, her name Selena, and we done a PCI audit for Selena that we escort them to get to the right place, and the people that actually given the certification was ERC, and this is this is again trust between people that I know that I can trust GRC and they know that I they can trust Persist, and we have it with other vendors, we have it with Palantir, we have it with with other vendors that we work in. And uh, I think this is the, um, not everybody is a competitor and, and you know, money is playing a game, but uh, you want to be human and you want to be a good friend as well. So this is when you need to put it on the side. Yeah. I'm willing to lose, I don't know, $100,000 on, on the project and not, not lose one of the vendors that I'm working with. Yeah. And, and I think it comes, personally speaking, I think it comes from maturity to understand that Nobody can do everything perfectly and everybody has their strong suits. So uh, really, at, and at the end of the day, you really want <clears throat> your customer to be happy. And for that, you need to be able to, you need to be able to play nicely and and collaborate with the perceived competitors uh, on a daily basis. You know, day. there was, I totally agree. There was uh, one of my, my bosses long time ago told me, listen, and, and this was before I jumped into uh, into more executive position. He told me, listen, Paz, if there is anything that you learn here is before you become a big manager or a owner of a company or whatever, be a real person, be a good person. And this is, you know, it's the fundamental base for everything else. If it's leadership, if it's building a team, if it's a building a company, if it's being a good husband or if it's being a good friend, but it's it's the basic. And I totally support this. 
Great. Uh, let's talk a bit about the difference between a virtual Caesar role and, and uh, a full-time Caesar role. Now, you know, you've, you've done both. In your opinion, what's the biggest difference between the current role of a virtual Caesar? And again, it doesn't matter if you are the one who's doing that or anyone on your mm -hmm. team, but between that, the VCSO as opposed to the Caesar role. Okay, so the first challenge that the VCSO will have is to feel part of the organization. And I think this is the main uh, boulder for, for VCSO. He's not part of the organization. He don't know the right people. It's not always approachable. You don't not not everybody know his phone number and these kind of things. Uh, when it's come to real so everybody knows them. You have to to make an make an interest and to make sure that people will will know where to come if if security happened or they need anything, else. and to to make sure that the security is in the right place. And one of the things that that I think will make or continue contribute to people that using VCSO as their role is to understand the organization. Even the fact that you are not part of the organization, you are not getting paid from the same vendor, but learn the organization, learn the people, sit with them, give them your phone number, give them your email, make sure that you have, you are presented it, that you have an open door policy and they can come in and, and discuss with you everything uh, that they fear because you don't want to miss uh, first pers uh, per personal uh, personal relationship is very important to the succeed of, of the of the VC so but on top of this you want people to come and tell you what they are seeing if somebody is trying to do a social engineering on them until o'clock in the morning they need to call somebody they need to feel protected they need to feel that somebody is is backing their uh, their back and this is when you are coming to play into into the game. You cannot present yourself as I'm a VC, so it's not Monday and it's not Tuesday, so I'm not working for you. This is not how it's work. If you want a VC so to succeed, you're working Monday and Tuesday, but you are available in the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. You are there for them. So this is what I believe this is what we are doing. Uh, but this is again, I think one of the biggest challenges to this role. It's very it's it's a different it's a difficult role. Uh, to jump between organization, learn them, and to be able to to play like this. But if you are good and you feel part of the organization and you let the user feel the same way, uh, it will be a success. And a follow-up question on that. Do you think there is uh, a big advantage for an organization to work with a virtual CISO as opposed to a full-time CISO? I think that the virtual CISO will be uh, better for organization because the, organi the organization can enjoy the expertise of this CISO when he's seeing a lot of company, when he's coming and already exposed and uh, was uh, involved in a lot of scenarios. When it's come to, when it's come to one CISO that uh, is coming right now, he's finished university and he's coming to work for you and he didn't saw anything and he don't have the expertise or don't have the, the experience and even if is a very mature CISO with a lot of expertise. Once it's going to cost you a lot as organization. And second, uh, you can get it in maybe half of the price if you will use a VCSO. Uh, the fact that it's a VCSO, as long as you will be really engaged with the organization, he can contribute with his own experience and with his own uh, uh, 
professional level that he saw in other places. And you know, one of the things the things that CIS is supposed to do, and I know there is a lot of the a lot of them that are doing this, but there is a lot of them that is not is lesson learned. And if you take a lesson learned from one organization and and then reflect it on a different organization, you can save a lot of problem. You can save a lot of security events. So use your experience in one place and and share it with others. So this is the main advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, personally, my thoughts about that is that uh, I think virtual CISOs are great for certain levels and uh, sizes of, of organizations. And I think uh, an organization would benefit out of a virtual CISO that's basically not, it's not a single individual. They usually have, uh, you know, a support structure in place. A group. Yeah, yeah a, a group, group that supports them. And uh, the accumulated knowledge of uh, these individuals would uh, probably contribute to certain types of organizations more than just a single uh, chief information security officers. I do feel that it's in some cases, and once the company is large enough and complicated enough, the you know the decision to hire a full-time uh, CISO would probably come from either the CEO or the board of, of directors, because that would be like a, like a check the box thing that they would need or, and they would need like a full-time support. So, but yeah, but definitely I think right now with the, the way the market is right now, I think there's a lot of uh, growth opportunities for virtual CISOs out there uh, because, you know, money is not as easy. It's still easy, but it's not as easy to come by as it was, let's say a year ago. And a lot of those uh, unicorn companies that, you know, spent a lot of uh, funds on uh, ramping up their security operations would probably want to scale down a bit. And I think a fractional or virtual CISO is a good opportunity for that. So if I had to guess, we'll probably see growth in that market. Correct. And the fact, as, as you said in the beginning, the group is something that is very, uh, very basic, you know, uh, the same for every expert you have is group of people that they're consulting with them and these CISOs because they're working with with group that come with a pen tester and a social engineering uh, expert and a technical and a regulation and what and so on they all uh, always have who to ask the questions and this is giving a lot of experience that, that the organization actually benefit from a lot of different expertise that they can channel through these CISOs yeah for sure now, if I were to speak to any one of your customers, what do you think they would say? Uh, what, what would they say about liking most about working with you? First, you're more than welcome to ask them. Uh, I think uh, I think the I think they will say that they are uh, enjoying working with with me or with Persist. Uh, Persist is the name of the company. I'm sorry for jumping in, but I'm saying this a lot and I didn't explain. But uh, they, they, they're enjoying it because we are not, uh, in Hebrew, there is a sentence, take you to the rabbi. We are not taking them to the rabbi on every small details. Uh, if they have a problems, the first thing that I'm telling my employees and my team is help them. If somebody is, is coming with a problem, first help them. We can, we can uh, uh, argue about the check later on, but let's solve the problem. Let's see how we can uh, let them feel close to us. Uh, as a customers that they are not outsiders that they are um that we are taking step in order to to help them so if you will ask them i believe that they will say that um, we are part of their organizations 
And uh, in order to support this, uh, I'm, I'm asking them, each one of the customers to give us our own mailbox into the organization that we will be able to communicate with the organization people. Uh, we really try to uh, to color ourselves in the in the in the color of the organization. Make sure that people don't think that this is really an outsider person. Uh, but I think they are happy. I didn't get complaints still far till today, so I think they are happy. <laughs> and who would you say is your ideal customer? Wow, this is a good question. Uh, I think that the ideal customer will be a, a, a mid-organization, let's say till 2,000, 3,000 uh, users that uh, don't have really the effort, the time, or the manpower uh, to invest in security. Uh, and this is where we can come and, and make the change. We can come, we can evaluate, we can create a working, uh, uh, working plan sit down together with the team and to see how we can solve it and how we can jump step by step in order to uh, improve the security of this organization. In any organization that we are jumping in, we're doing some kind of a, let's say a, a risk analysis, let's call it like this in the beginning. And then we put it in Excel and say, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's see how we can do it best. And what is the time frame to do it? And by doing this first, the, the, the customer know that he's be, being taken care of. And second, we, are don't, we, we don't lose track. We always know what needs to be done. We always know what is the risk level that we are standing at. Uh, so, uh, yes, this is how, how we are doing this. Okay. So th this was your ideal customer, and this is a, maybe a slightly awkward question, but what qualities you don't like in a customer? The type of qualities that would wow. dissuade you from working okay. with someone? Uh, so technically, you ask if I fire somebody, fire a customer. Well, uh, uh, let's be more politically correct. I'm asking, like, with which customers that you know obtain sort of like certain qualities you want like to do business with. To be honest, I was thinking that I will never be need to be in this uh, in this step before, and I was surprised uh, how many uh, how many people there is out out there that uh, that they are good people. Uh, but yes, you know, there is, there is customers that you don't want to do business with. And, uh, we had this experience at least with one of them, uh, that I, I really want, or I really push my team and myself to be a proactive part in the organization to do whatever they will ask. We are not charge you. We will not, uh, uh, argue with you. We will do whatever you want in order for you to feel safe and to be uh, and first to be safe and to be comply, whatever. And if you uh, try to, um, to pick me on the small things, uh, I will not appreciate this. Uh, and this is, and I had the experience to work with one of them. Uh, and uh, this is, was really depressing because you are doing a great effort in, in order for them to be happy and they are happy, but they are not really giving you the best treatment as well. Uh, so there is this, there is uh, customers that you need to run after them for payments, you know, like any other uh, companies that uh, they don't have the moral, let's say, policy to, to pay on time. Uh, or because you are a small company or uh, they, they feel the right that they can do this. Uh, 
And I always ask myself if this is, was, if they will go and buy, I don't know, uh, in the supermarket and they will be able to say, oh, yeah, but I will pay you, pay you in 60 days. And after 60 days, they say, yeah, but it's going to be on the next, the next invoice. And so there is customers like this as well, but uh, we try to look on the, on the positive side. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I know what you're talking about, but... Um... Um, yeah, but but I have to state it out. Uh, not all of them like this. The majority of them are great customers and, and friends. And uh, we are not going to let one or two or three or 16 customers uh, uh, change change the, change the color of it. But, uh, but I agree with you. Well, thank you. Uh, and, you know, we're almost at the tail end of this episode. So just a couple of uh, questions to wrap this up. Where can our listeners find you online? We have a website, uh, www.persistsec.com or persistsecurity.com. So this is where they can find us. We have a LinkedIn. We are in Facebook. We are, we're all over the place in the in the media. Uh, but of course they can call us uh, they have the phone on their website and they can call us or mail us and we will be there to help uh, and personally or, uh, you personally where can they find you on LinkedIn or uh... Uh, LinkedIn of course yes I'm, I'm on LinkedIn or just put I don't know the Batman sign in the sky and I will appear <laughs> but uh, uh, yes but but on LinkedIn yes I'm, I'm there definitely Got it. And one final question. If money was never an issue, what would you do with your life? Oh, uh, this is a good question. Probably, I don't know. I'm enjoying shooting very much. So I'm probably going to uh, to compete on this because it's a very uh, interesting sport for me. Uh, now I need to think how to combine shooting and the Caribbean. But after this, <laughs> we're good. This is, this is, I think people need to enjoy life. It's very short, uh, and it's come with a lot of uh, nice and not nice surprises. And we want to achieve the best that we can to remember it. It's not making a difference how many money you have and how many good-looking women you dated or, or how many cars you have and what kind of watch you're wearing. It's meaning what you've done and what other people will say about you 10 minutes after you're gone. And this is what I believe in. I think people need to to be remembered by being a good people, mm-hmm. a fair people. Okay. Thank you. Well, no Paz, I enjoyed our talk today and uh, learning more about you, your business, and you know your answers to my questions. I'm hopeful they would help some of our listeners along the way. Um, any, any final notes? It was great, and I um, thank you, thank you for for having me on on this uh, podcast. And uh, as I said, I, I really owe GRC a lot on my professional life. And uh, thank you for this. I appreciate this. Thank you.